Elgar, of course, was born not in London, but in Worcester. Uh, just outside Worcester, actually, of course. I'm sure many of you have been to the Elgar birthplace, which has now been taken over by the National Trust. And uh, there's a great library there and a little concert hall and lots of Elgar memorabilia. It's very well worth visiting that, just to the west of Worcester. And then, uh, before very long, he was back at his father's music shop in Worcester, where he learnt the, the music trade from inside, as it were. One of the most important things that Elgar learnt there was how to tune pianos. And his father used to take him on trips to the great houses where they would tune the pianos together. And Elgar always used to get very annoyed at having to go in through the servants' entrance to the big houses. And he got a bit of a chip on his shoulder, actually, about that. But he also became extremely sensitive to the note A flat. Those of you who tune pianos <laughs> will know that it's A-flat is always the problem because F-sharp is usually F-sharp rather than G-flat and B-flat is nearly always B-flat rather than A-sharp and so on, C-sharp and so on. But A-flat is equally frequently G-sharp and I mean I could go into the science of this but don't worry. I won't, but consequently, when you get to your A-flat, that's always the difficult one to tune. It's usually the last note you tune, and it has a special name in tuning parlance, which is the wolf note, because if you're not careful, you've got a... It's a bit too much of an A-flat rather than a G-sharp, and when you play it together with an E, it literally howls like a wolf, because of the way that the vibrations blend. And you'll notice in Elgar's music that every now and again he gives enormous prominence to an A-flat. And that's just him thinking, ha, nailed that A-flat. For example, do you know the piece uh, in the South, the overture in the South, Alassio? Well, I'm sure you know that the exposition comes back, well, the exposition comes back as the recapitulation, and normally they're more or less the same. That's the whole point. The tune comes back. But in the case of In the South, there's a bar difference between the two, because in the first version, the double bassoon, the lowest instrument of the orchestra, has a whole bar to itself, just going on a top A flat, which is the most extraordinary noise. And Elgar doesn't make the four bassoonists do it twice. He only does it once. But um, this is what I love, the idea that Elgar who taught himself to play the bassoon, by the way, um, Elgar knew music from the inside out, and it's uh, very, very clear that, uh, that he can. When he was a, a youngster, he got a job as the bandmaster at the Poet Asylum, the Lunatic Asylum, as they used to call it in those days, uh, where he conducted a band that was composed of the attendants, because the man who ran the Lunatic Asylum, uh, felt, quite rightly, that music would be a very important therapy for his patients. And so Elgar actually got an insight into uh, unbalanced minds through his work very early on, and it was a thing that he was always interested in. That comes into play, by the way, in the Second Symphony, where there are several poems by Shelley 
associated with the Second Symphony, and one of them has a character called the Maniac. And Elgar, who knew Shelley very well, his, uh, Shelley's work very well, Elgar wrote, I hide my true feelings under these notes. And Shelley's maniac says, I hide my true feelings under these words. And Elgar takes the Shelley quotation from the maniac and hides things in the Second Symphony. And we'll hint in a minute or two what sort of things he might be hiding. But first of all, one of the pieces that he wrote for the Asylum Band is a polka called Helsia. And it's called Helsia because it's dedicated to his fiancée, who was a woman called Helen Weaver. Helen Weaver was the daughter of the proprietor of a boot and shoe shop in Worcester High Street. And the boot and shoe shop was making rather more money than the music shop next door. And so Helen, who was a violinist, could afford to go to Leipzig to study. And this was Elgar's great dream. All English composers wanted to go and study in Leipzig, ever since Mendelssohn had opened the conservatory at Leipzig, and ever since Sir Arthur Sullivan had become the first Mendelssohn scholar studying in Leipzig. And Elgar wanted to go, but the Elgar shop was not making enough money to send him. But he did manage to save up enough to visit Leipzig while Helen was studying there. And he turned up one New Year's Eve and burst into the room and they had a, a wonderful time. But alas, Helen developed some sort of lung complaint, which they thought was tuberculosis, and she had to emigrate to New Zealand. Uh, people often did this in those days because the air was considered so healthy in New Zealand that nobody would die of a lung complaint. And indeed, Helen didn't die of a lung complaint. And we'll return to Helen a little bit later on as well. 